Hello and welcome to Detroit from Across the Pond with Andrew Lewis-Smith. This is a podcast which looks at Detroit, its people and initiatives and projects which are making a difference to the city and its communities. Every week I'll be asking a new interviewee about Detroit, the projects that they are involved in and what it is that they love about Detroit and the people who live there. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis-Smith. Hi and welcome. For today's show I've been a teeny weeny bit naughty. Now this is partly because when I started this project not only did I sort of learn about Detroit but I also learned about, began to learn about Michigan as a whole but particularly the northern part of Michigan called the Upper Peninsula, the UP. And on that journey I discovered that they make pasties as in the type we have in the UK called Cornish pasties. And so I thought it'd be really fun to try and do an episode about pasties, personal preference, and I guess that's if you've got your own project, you can do this. And so I was very grateful to one of my other interviewees, Tom Leeper, who put me in touch with a place called Pasty Central, up in the right in the north of Michigan, 500 miles away, actually, plus 500 miles. And in particular with Charlie Hopper, who's a guest for today's interview. So I hope you enjoy it. It's a bit of fun. It's not quite Detroit, but actually it's got a really nice, because I thought it was going to be a about purely about pasties but actually the story is about how pasties contributed to the well-being of lots of people and it continues to this day and it's got a really really lovely backstory and Charlie is just such a nice guy and has had such a a great life plus there's actually lots of Detroit references and uh, links so which was a bit of a surprise so enjoy Hi, and uh, welcome to today's show, Detroit from Across the Pond. And we're not really in Detroit, although in our pre-conversation, in our pre-recording discussion, my guest today and I discovered that actually he has a lot of Detroit connections. So I'd really like to welcome Charlie Hopper from the uh, Upper Peninsula in uh, Northern Michigan. And today's show and this may surprise some people, is about pasties, as in the Cornish pasty type or the Yupa pasty type. So, Charlie, welcome. Glad to be here. So, Charlie, one of the things, a couple of things would be really good for um, a lot of the guests, for my listeners here, certainly in the UK and other parts of the world, is that if you could explain a little bit, well, it'd be really good to know a little bit about you and your background and, and whether you spent your life making pasties or done other things, but also a little bit about, because I said Northern Michigan, which is about, I think, you're about 500 plus miles from Detroit. If you could say a bit, a little bit about that area and what, what it's like. Yes. Uh, well, the UP, uh, Upper Michigan, uh, and in fact, uh, we're often called Youpers up in the UP. And <laughs> and my Twitter handle, if anybody wants to reach me, is Youper, Y-O-O-P-E-R, Youper oh, uh, on Twitter. And uh, uh, it's uh, it really was uh, the center of commerce way back in the 1800s. It was where the mining boom began and copper and iron mining and uh, lumber. There's just so many industries across the UP in the past that were uh, the, the focus and attention of, of uh, Michigan before the auto industries and everything came to Detroit. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Henry Ford has a, a great history with Upper Michigan where he tapped uh, the UP for all the timber and lumber in his operations and, of course, all the the copper and iron and steel and, and everything that that comes from the raw materials of the UP. And these days, it's uh, the the iron and copper mining industries are just a memory. There there's mm-hmm. very little that's that's done in that regard. But it's become uh, just a, a wonderful place to visit for its recreational, its historical. Uh, the culture of the UP is a fantastic place, and pasties are a very important part of that culture. And I think for listeners, one of the things I, I would urge you um, have a look in the show notes, and I'll put some links on there. But one of the things that when I when I started, one of the joys of doing this sort of project, this podcast, is uh, I get to meet people I would never meet in real life, as it were, and it, it's such a joy. And I so I started focusing on Detroit, but inevitably what happened was I, I got to know a little bit about Michigan, the state of Michigan in which Detroit is. And uh, that's how I discovered about the UP. And I would definitely urge people to go have a look. It's fantastic. It is so beautiful. The lakes, the lighthouses, the dunes, the, the trees. I think it's also, if I'm right, Charlie, I, I saw some magazine or other saying one of the drives, the, the car drives, uh, is one of the nicest in the fall, I think. Oh, yeah. Believe. 
Yeah, the uh, Copper Harbor Drive and Brockway Mountain Drive, there's there's a number of different places there that have made the top 10 list uh, in the country as far as the beauty uh, of the, the scenery and the surroundings. It's just, uh, it's a wonderful place. Uh, and, I, and I'm uh, uh, very honored to have called it my home for, well, 30 plus years now. We actually moved there in 1988. So how many years is that? That's about 32 years ago. Yeah. And uh uh, it's it's quite a story of of how the whole pasty operation began. Just just a very compelling time in the life of of our family, and to this day, our uh, my my children are still involved with the whole operation. They were just very small uh, oh, in those days, but uh, I think you had talked to Becky. She's my daughter, and uh, oh okay, uh, she she's we call her the pasty girl because. Um, <laughs> She has been on the order fulfillment side for for many years and and takes care of that. And my son Jonathan, he is the uh, systems administrator of our our sister business, which is uh, the internet provider service Pasty.net in the UP. So pasties have been a very important part of our family's life, and we're all involved in it. Wow! And already you get the impression you're not just a cottage industry. This is a serious operation with <laughs> yes. serious intent and technology behind it. Could you say something about your background? Because you're clearly not from there, I guess. So where are you from originally? Are you a Michiganer yourself? Well, I was born in Alabama, and uh, my family migrated north to Detroit during the fifties. Uh, and my father uh, got a job in uh, the auto industry, and uh, we lived around the uh, many of the Detroit suburbs there. In fact, quite often people talk about Detroit, and that's another word for Michigan, because down where I came from in Alabama, they'd say, oh, they moved to Detroit. Well, we live maybe 30, <laughs> 30 miles from Detroit, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but it was Detroit that was the, the draw and the attraction. And... Um, I grew up around the Detroit area. Lake Orion, I lived. I, I went to college in Ann Arbor. And, and from Ann Arbor, I moved to Belleville and then to Wayne. And I, every move was closer to Detroit. And I ended up, my my first uh, uh, job as a chief engineer in radio was at uh, Detroit Radio Station. And so I've, I've spent a number of years in the Detroit area. This was back in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, there's, there's just uh, so much of... Uh, the Detroit history that has keeps uh, coming up in in everything that that, that I've done. Uh, we have so many people in the Detroit area who order the pasties. We've shipped over a million pasties all across the United States. Wow. Uh, we we don't ship internationally, but uh, uh, we we do a lot of business in Michigan and in Southeast Michigan. A lot of Detroit folks. We we thought we you know having a, a pasty bakery in Detroit might be a good idea, but it's the kind of the novelty of it coming from the UP and up in Calumet uh, in the Keweenaw Peninsula that uh, I think attracts a lot of people to our pasties, as well as the great taste and uh, just very uh, fine product that, that has developed, not because of me over the years, but, but because of all of the people who were involved in this project. So we're obviously going to talk more about the pasties and how that developed, but by the sounds of it, when you were in Detroit and your family moved there, and you but you were working radio, <laughs> I assume, as you said, an engineer, I assume yes. that was really not pasty related at all. And not at that point. In fact, yeah. um, I did know what pasties were okay. when I when I started because I remember the first time I ever I must have been about I don't know ten or twelve years old, and my family we lived in uh, the Pontiac area at the time, which is north of Detroit, and we went. Uh, one weekend on a trip up to the UP. It's quite a drive up there, a couple mm. hundred miles to get up to the UP. And when we crossed the Mackinac Bridge, one of the first things I saw was a sign that it looked like the people didn't know how to spell the word pastry, you know, P-A-S-T-R-Y. <laughs> and I said, what is, what is a pasty don't these people know how to spell here and uh my my sister uh, explained to me what uh, what a pasty was and uh, that was my first uh, exposure to it so so i knew what pasties were anyway i started in detroit radio and for people who are from detroit you'll remember the name jp mccarthy he was the the morning announcer on wjr the great voice of the great lakes and uh he talked a lot about the UP. I, I was very interested in uh, whenever he'd have guests who, who identified with Upper Michigan. 
And he was sort of my role model of being in radio. And so I was in Detroit radio for uh, several years until I was called by a group in Marquette, Michigan, which is right in the middle of the UP. And uh, we started a radio station there. This was back in 1975. From then on, we uh, the UP was sort of the center of, of our family's operation. And uh, we moved eventually from Marquette up to the Copper Country, which is uh, the Keweenaw Peninsula. People use their hands to, to describe, you know, here we are, this is Upper Michigan, here's Lower Michigan. And uh, the, the uh, Keweenaw Peninsula is right up there on the thumb. I don't know if your your listeners can see on a podcast. I like tell you this. what, I'm gonna I'll, I'll, on the show notes. I'm gonna put a, I'll put um I'll put a map. I don't know if I can get a screenshot of this because the video is not recorded. But I will put a map, and um, or you could send me a picture of your hand doing. There you go. <laughs> but um, I will put a, a picture because a lot of people won't be familiar with the geography of Michigan, and I know that it's called the the, the mitten. Sometimes people say, "Oh, you're from the mitten," but yeah. I've just th- I've just realized we're talking about pasties. There will be people I've got I noticed there was a listener in, in of all places, Malaysia. Um, there may be people who actually don't know what a pasty is. Yeah. So could you just say what a pasty is? I've just realized that, that that's I an know excellent excellent point because you know, uh, we estimate that here in the United States, ninety percent of the people in the country do not know what a pasty is. In fact, they oh, right. uh, so many people that I encounter, they've never heard pasty you know what is a pasty they'll they'll look at it and say pasty and now that's a different kind of <laughs> of item but uh anyway a pasty is a meat pie the ones that that we bake originated in cornwall england where cornish pasties were were born and they were eaten by miners they're they're a whole meal wrapped in a crust and it's uh meat and potatoes and and rutabaga and uh Turnips, I guess they they say in in uh, the UK, but uh, Swede, 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 yeah, there you Swede, go. That's it, yeah, right. But uh, and, and uh, the the one thing, did I say the word carrots? Whoops, that's a, that's a no no in Cornish. Is it really, but Ooh. but carrots are an essential part of a Uper pasty because uh, Upper Peninsula pasties included carrots, and Cornish don't include carrots. That's that's the. The only real difference between oh, right. the two. And could you just say, did they have, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, I know what a Cornish pasty looks like, and I will, don't worry, for people who have no idea what they look like, there will be pictures on the website. How, could you describe the shape of a Uper pasty, whether it's the same? Uh, it's very much the same <clears throat> as uh, Cornish pasties, because they, there's this uh, crimp around the crust. It's, it's like a half moon shape. And uh, mm. in fact, uh, if you look at our website, pasty.com, right on the front of the website, you'll see a picture. It's an animated picture of uh, our head baker at the time who was folding pasties. And you can see that they, it's put in a pie plate and then folded in half around the meat and all the ingredients that, that go inside that crust. And then there's a really nice crimp that goes around around the pasties. Uh, um, so it's just a, uh, a meat pie that that is uh, uh, a wonderful, nutritious meal. It was, it was a very substantial meal for these miners who would go and work all day and they would carry pasties in their, their lunch pail and their buckets. And there's the, all the old uh, stories and legends about them heating their pasty over a candle, you know, on a, on a shovel or whatever. There's, uh, there's all of these, this picture of, uh, pasties being consumed underground by the miners during all of those uh, mining years, copper and, and iron. And I remember I, we went down to, we were in Cornwall last year, and it sounds a bit like, I bet you've probably got disused mines and some of them now are visitor, visitor attractions. And there are lots of those in, in Cornwall. And, you know, many of the seams, Cornwall's quite, the, the coastline's quite rugged, much of it. And many of the seams went right under the sea. You know, they went a mile under the sea or so. And, and is it true that, um, I've heard this say, that the crimp was often quite thick. And because the miners would have really quite blackened hands from what whatever they were doing, they would hold the crimp, eat the rest, and then get rid of that? Is that is that Well, be a, that would be a tough thing to do. I think you'd have to have really dirty <laughs> hands to lose that crimp. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts of the, of the pasty. Is it? Okay. As a matter of fact, we have a, there's a wonderful pasty maker over in the east uh, end of Upper Michigan. It's Muldoon's in Munising, and they make pasties that they put apple uh, pie filling in that crust. And so Ooh. you actually have a, 
uh, a pasty that you you have meat on one end and, and apple pie on the other. And so you have your whole meal there. To, so to throw away that crimp would be uh, <laughs> a tough thing for me to do if I was a miner. It'd be a crime, wouldn't it? Really? Yes. <laughs> so, so, Charlie, one of the things I'm really intrigued about, you were in radio, okay? So you were in Detroit, then you went up to Calumet, was it? No. Uh, actually, we went to Marquette first. Marquette. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Marquette. How did you make the transition from being an engineer and heading up sort of a radio station to then being immersed in the world of pasties as well as things like the internet, et cetera? Well, well, it's it's something that's totally unrelated to radio and totally unrelated to pasties. <laughs> as a radio engineer and, and a radio manager in Marquette, uh, I was really interested when, uh, in those days, they were called microcomputers. It's when, when computers, small computers first mm. came out in the, in the mid-70s. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the first Apple II Plus computers came out in uh, 1978. Uh, I, I owned, you know, one of the first Apple computers, and I began to write uh, software on the computers. And I ended up writing a software package that became quite popular in uh, across the country for, of all things, waste haulers. Uh, it was it was software that that helped waste haulers do their billing and their routing of their trucks and everything. I, oh, this wow. was just a side project that I was yeah. doing in addition to the the radio managing that I was doing at the time. Uh, but that grew into a company, and that company then in 1988 uh, we sold out to our biggest competitor. Uh, we we were the second largest in the country for that type of software, and we sold to the largest. And that enabled us to move to Marquette. Or, I mean, uh, actually, it's Eagle River is the town that we we moved to in 1988. And so uh, at that time, I basically retired. Uh, I was uh, 36 years old. And <laughs> w- what we were doing was uh, we were uh, working for nonprofit organizations, uh, just volunteering our time. One of those nonprofits was a home for the age. And I was helping them... Uh, to computerize their records. Well, the administrator there left and the board of directors called me one day and said, can you come and train other people to, uh, to use these computers? And one thing led to another. And they finally, the board asked me, could you just come and work full time as the administrator? And so that's what I did for the next 11 years. And it was during those years that the internet, the worldwide web came out. This was in 1994. And then in, in 95, we, put on our first web pages uh, as a fundraiser for this home for the aged where I was uh, the administrator. And uh, it was a 70-bed assisted living facility where a lot of the residents there were children of the miners, and some of them were miners themselves uh, who lived at the home, that they were the older folks. And one of their activities was to get together and peel veggies for making their own pasties. So wow. that's really how that transition occurred. It, it, it's just a very uh, unusual story of uh, disconnected things that somehow led in a different direction. Wow. And we were so, making pasties. Wow. So basically, the re- a lot of the residents of the home had obviously com- some connection to um, mining and, and pasties. And they, they just used to sort of get together and just enjoy chopping up vegetables, chatting, which is probably, you know, miles away at the time, and then enjoying the pasties because that's what they like to eat. Yes, uh, it was a good wow. activity too. It's it's for for someone who's you know in a in a home for the elderly and there's they need activities. This is just uh, was a wonderful activity, and they did it on a regular basis. And uh, our cook there, John Bramble, he uh, had developed over the years a great recipe for pasties based on the feedback from all of these hundreds of people that lived in in the home over the time, uh, the, the way they liked pasties made. And so we, it, that was sort of our focus group, you know, all of these 80 and 90 year olds who, <laughs> who uh, had a, a background in pasties and they'd say, oh, you need, you need uh, more uh, salt or pepper. You, you need some butter. Uh, there. Expert but, opinion. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so the pasties that were developed were great pasties. That was John Bramble did, who headed that up. And um, I, I was his supervisor. And one of our employees was my son, who he was working the night shift. And uh, we got the idea for uh, shipping these pasties out. And he developed the uh, packaging for it that uh, allowed them to stay fresh. Uh, we used dry ice in the beginning. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's a story out on the web that 
We were chosen as the technology site of the year by the state of Michigan in the year 2000. I tell the story about how our dry ice operation became a business in itself. We began to sell dry ice around uh, locally. Really? Uh, because wow. there was no source of dry ice. Uh, the, the nearest one was in Iron Mountain, which was, you know, 100 miles away. So uh, uh, anyway, the dry ice was an important part. But then we developed packaging that you didn't need the dry ice. Back after uh, <clears throat> 9-11, they, they became very strict about dry ice on uh, mm -hmm. air shipments and so on. So uh, one of our successes has been uh, the packaging. It's, it's a very, very good packaging that, that gets the pasties there fresh. I, I, there's, there's so many different aspects of this. It's, it's hard to, to uh, I, I, sh I should have a, uh, like an outline of, of the way these things developed because every piece of the puzzle came together. For example, the name pasty.com, that was probably the, the biggest uh, ingredient that kicked off our pasty operation because anywhere around the world back in the late 90s, Whenever anyone would put in the word pasty in any browser, it would come to us. It would come to our website. Oh, really? that's, that's the way that the browsers work. Having yeah. a, the proper name, pasty.com. As a matter of fact, we had some conversations with some of the folks in the UK who uh, had an interest in the name pasty.com for selling the domain name. We, we've hung on to it over the years. We've not sold it. We've had various uh, conversations about, about the name. But I think that was one of the uh, ingredients, one of the components that, that led to uh, us then eventually shipping a million pasties <laughs> all over. And that highlights, I guess, quite a nice, a happy marriage between the sort of uh, the pasties, but also your techni technical background, your knowledge there. Because when did you register that name, pasty.com? Wow. That, been... that was in uh, 96, actually, that we registered. Back in those days, you, you had to apply with the National Science Foundation to get a, to get a domain name. And we were a nonprofit organization, the home for the elderly there. And it kind of raised some eyebrows when we wanted to apply for a commercial name, pasty.com, you know, which was commercial because back then it was .org was, was everything. Mm. We, we do have pasty.org registered as well and pasty.net, which became another business. <laughs> you uh, covered all the bases. <laughs> yes. So we had pasty.biz, pasty.everything, you know. Anyway, that was in ninety. 96, we uh, uh, were looking for a project to really focus on with this, this internet web presence. We, we actually started on the web, though. Uh, it was like five months after the web began in, in the fall of 94. Uh, the first thing we put on were pictures of the big snow thermometer on US-41 north of Calumet that shows uh, how we receive, wow, almost 400 inches of snow uh, every winter. And th that was... Uh, the, the record is close to 400 inches. So this big snow thermometer there, some people uh, tuned in and saw that in the summer of 95. And they saw that it was a home for the elderly and realized that one of their relatives was in the home and he had a nice new car that we needed a, an auto for the, for the residents to use there. And they donated it to the home. So our first experience on the internet, it had a very substantial donation. And because of that, then the board of directors said, let's, uh, let's pursue this and, you know, develop this thing on the web. And it turned into the pasty fundraiser to raise money for the home. Cool. And I, I must admit, I, I think I was saying earlier on, I don't think I saw the internet until about 97 or maybe 98. And uh, so you were, I mean, I talk about pasty's been at the forefront of the uh, internet yeah. revolution, <laughs> especially in Northern Michigan. That's very impressive. With the pasties, did you have a sort of before you started to ship them? Did you were you selling them locally, or were you you know raising in, yes and yes testing out with punters who were buying them as well? Well, they were uh, they were being sold as a, as a fundraiser. Uh, mm. They they would often just make pasties for the community and then sell them uh, as a fundraiser. So that was it was not a new experience of of selling the pasties, you know, just just to raise money, in addition to uh, having them as a meal for the residents uh, mm. quite often. We had never, you know, until the internet came along, we had never shipped them anywhere. The, the, the idea of actually sending pasties remotely to some other location. And we didn't know when we first started mm. doing that, we didn't know that you had to be, 
you had to have permission to do that. You had to have uh, compliance with regulations. We didn't know that. <laughs> we shipped over uh, over 14,000 pasties before we had a visit by uh, a USDA inspector <laughs> who said, <laughs> that's uh, the United States Department of Agriculture, who said, uh, you uh, you can't do that. And I, I said, oh, yes, we can. We've done it 14,000 times over. But he says, <laughs> I mean, you're not permitted to do that. And this was a, the inspector was very helpful. He said, I'm not going to shut you down. You can continue doing this if you work toward coming into compliance. Uh, you have to, to do this in a facility that is, is uh, approved and uh, meets all the requirements and the inspections and we did so. We we got our own USDA shield and uh, began having an inspector come every day. Every time we we bake, uh, we have a USDA inspector who observes the process, and he's really the uh, quality control. You know that assures that they're going to be made the same way uh, all the time. So in, in the beginning, we were oblivious to regulation, but over the years, we we have embraced it as something that yeah. that uh, makes for a good product and uh, gives people the assurance that they, you know, can depend on what what they're receiving in their home. Let's say because I know there are, I've got there are listeners to this show who are in California and Atlanta, Georgia, and Florida, as well as you know parts of Europe. But I, I know you don't ship internationally. So I'm in California and I want to order some of your pasties. It's as simple as that, is it? I go online and just order some. Except you couldn't do it right now. We, we oh, suspend okay. shipping over the summer. We always, because of the summer heat, uh, July and August, remember, mm -hmm. we don't ship it with, with dry ice anymore. We haven't used dry ice in, <laughs> wow, <laughs> almost 20 years. Hard to believe how long we've been doing this. But uh, we ship many, many, uh, California and Florida are a couple of the biggest mm -hmm. states okay. that we ship. Arizona, huge, huge uh population in Arizona that, that order the pasties really? and, and have them shipped. Weird. Uh, the state of uh, Washington and Oregon uh, out on the West Coast, a lot of shipping. But still, the it seems like the, the core of the interest is in the Midwest, state mm -hmm. of Michigan, a lot of Wisconsin, uh, Ohio, uh, all 50 states. We I remember when we first started doing this, we would keep, and is still to this day, you'll see a zip code map there, uh, zip codes in the United States where, where we've shipped the pasties. And it's just dotted everywhere now. But during those days, the last state is the state of North Dakota. No one had ever ordered pasties oh, really? from North Dakota. And so we were just waiting for one to come in. Finally, one day, an order from North Dakota. Hey. And we were able to complete <laughs> the 50 states that we had shipped all the pasties to. <laughs> Did they get a bonus pasty bandage? As a matter of fact, we sent them. We, we're shipping these days additional things uh, from the U.P., like uh, Uper bars, which are our chocolate, dark chocolate bars in the shape of Upper Michigan. We also ship Trinary Toast, which is a uh, Trinary is is a, a little UP town in the middle of the of the peninsula that uh, they make this this very unique kind of uh, hard toast uh, that uh, is is a uh, cinnamon flavor. It's it's really just a unique flavor, and, and we ship Trinary Toast. So anyway, we threw in some extras for. I remember the guy's name. Is it Wayne Torgerson? What's his name? Oh, that probably <laughs> violated our privacy policy. But that was <laughs> 20 years ago. So I don't know if Wayne's still around. I, but I'm sure Wayne will be quite happy to be mentioned. <laughs> as, uh... <laughs> well, that's. Do you know that's fantastic? But how do so? In the absence of dry ice, is a bit of a techie question. How do you keep them fresh? Then? Oh, that's uh, that's the thing that my son developed there. It's the there's a material that builders use that uh, is called sill seal. It's mm. it goes under door uh, sills of the wall. It uh, it is a flat uh, styrofoam about maybe eight or nine inches wide and comes in long rolls. And we weave that around the pasties. It provides not only protection to, to uh, keep the heat out and keep the cold in, but it's also padding in between the pasties. And then around that, we wrap aluminized polyethylene, which is known as space blanket. It's the type oh, yeah, of thing okay. you can buy yeah. uh, you know, at the, at the uh, outdoor goods store, mm -hmm. uh, sporting goods. And um, we go through tons of space blanket and we wrap all that around and then we put it into boxes with uh, padded by uh, the Daily Mining Gazette or the Daily Mining Journal. It's the, the newspapers that are up there in Marquette and Houghton that uh, they provide us. In fact, there was a time 
early on that we we got a whole stack of the Wall Street Journal and we we used that to stuff them. And we got complaints, people saying, I don't want my pasties padded with the Wall Street Journal. I want the Mining Gazette. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd, I would want the Mining Gazette because I know here when I'm we get I get the new, a newspaper and I'm going through the old newspapers to recycle them. I think, oh, that's an, it takes me forever because I'm finding all these interesting articles. So I would definitely want the mining gazette. Well, that's all okay. part of the, the culture of mm. pasties uh, for us. And, and also uh, an important part of the packaging, uh, as you, you asked the question about that. And they, we, we had to do testing in order to get our USDA approval. Mm. We had to have all of our packaging approved, everything. And so we did testing and found that at room temperature, our frozen pasties, they're, they're fully cooked and then they're, they're frozen and then they're wrapped in this material. Th- those lasted for up to five days at room temperature with no presence of bacteria at all. Wow. And, uh, and then after that, you, you know, there, there was minuscule amounts of bacteria that began to appear. But that means that if you get your pasties in two days, as we always do, two-day shipping guarantee, mm. they're absolutely, you know, as, as safe as they can be in the packaging that we that we send out. How so. many do you ship <clears throat> on a, on a, when you are producing on an average week? How many would you say you send? Uh, well, about 600 a day pasties w- would be made, and there's typically three days of shipping, so 1,800 pasties in a in a given week. Although you know we we ramp up for them, we we have many pasties in the freezer. We we ship a whole lot more than we can bake on a real time basis because uh, around the holidays there's tremendous demand. So we'll have mm. thousands of pasties go out. It, we we normally ship uh, Mondays and Tuesdays. So there's there's just huge huge amount of boxes that we send out. And you know that the the one thing we've never really perfected is our our whole production in order to mass produce, you know, to get the numbers, we always sell out. No matter how much we bake, we always sell out. So we don't know what the potential is of uh, Pasty Central. We just know that that it sells everything we can produce. So if if there's somebody out there who could do a better job of of uh, you know bringing more people in and 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 getting you know more more pasties produced, who who knows? There there may be ten thousand a week that you could that you could ship out of these pasties. That's incredible. I mean, especially if you're saying that something like 90% of people in the States don't know what pasty is. So there's probably a massive untapped market. So you must be quite, I guess you must employ quite a number of people then in terms of the the whole business. It's, uh, yeah, we're definitely a small business. We we have uh, like 15 employees that uh, uh, are involved in in doing this. Uh, The internet side and the pasty side kind of blend together. Uh, mm-hmm. The two operations are very the uh, the relationship between the two helps each other. And uh, during, for example, this time of year in the summer when we're not shipping pasties, so we we don't have the cash flow from mm-hmm. the pasties, we have a huge influx of what we call snowbirds coming uh, for wanting to use the internet service. And so we have uh, you know hundreds of people come come into the area there that that need internet service. So we have a a, a big internet operation in the summer. And then when everybody goes home in the fall, people start ordering pasties again until around Christmas. They're just, you know, it, it blows the doors off with, with all the packages going off uh, out of the area. And so the pasties do really well in the winter and the internet does really well in the summer. And it just, we get by over, over all these years. Here we are still in business and uh, still moving along. And I have to say, I, I can't imagine there's any other internet provider in the world that is an internet provider and produces pasties. I mean, there really can't be. Because I did wonder when I looked on the website, I couldn't understand why there was sort of uh, about. I was thinking, oh, that's curious, you know. But past, is it pasty? If I came up to UP and I was logging onto your system, forgive, yes. Forgive the lack of technical terms there. What yes. would I look up, look for? Pasty dot net. net is the uh, the internet provider. The dot com is the uh, pasty bakery. And uh, they just they just work together. They complement. There are other providers that do. There's mm-hmm. there's one provider in uh, part of the UP that uh, they have a dual operation. They run they run like a secondhand store where, where they they sell items and people come and bring them in. And they also run an internet service. So it's uh, fantastic. I'll, I'll, yeah, you just do what you, <laughs> you do what needs to be done to to make things work. You know, 
when you're in such a remote area. Uh, we even serve a lot of people who are off the grid, uh, off the electric grid. They, uh, they live beyond where electricity is, is served and they fire up their generators and, and uh, receive our internet service. So it's, it's really quite a remote area where we, where we live. Uh, again, though, obviously there'll be the map, but where would be the nearest big place to you? Well, uh, how long would it take to get there if you were driving? We we consider Houghton Hancock to be to be big. It's uh, the home of Michigan uh, or um, Michigan Tech University, which used to be the uh, school of mining back mm. in the day when it first started in the 1800s. And um, uh, Michigan Tech University in in Houghton, uh, there's Northern Michigan University in Marquette. So where, wherever there's towns with a university. That, that we consider to be a big town. But the nearest uh, large, you know, metropolitan area would be like uh, Green Bay, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And then there's Minneapolis, which is off to the to the west there. But other than that, it's it's quite isolated area. Because of the, and, and also because of the shape of Michigan, you're actually nearer to those places than you are, say, to Detroit or yes. to yes. Ann Arbor or somewhere like that. Could it, you were mentioning earlier on that you some of the pictures you sent me, they were actually done by, strangely, someone from the Detroit Free Press. That's correct. <laughs> um, yeah, our connections with the Detroit area. It, it, in fact, it's an interesting story. During the Winter Carnival of 1998, during the Winter Carnival, Paul W. Smith from WJR in Detroit always comes up and he does a remote broadcast in the DNN building in Hancock. It looks out over the valley there that where the canal is uh, between the two cities and they have their their uh, winter carnival. Well, I happened to go with a, uh, uh, a tour group that was was being led through the studio where he was doing his his production. This was in 98. And um uh, I I had a suit on. I had I, I had a uh, you know a suit jacket and a and a tie. And when we were in the studio, I remember he was on the air with Sam Donaldson at the White House. That was back during the the Clinton problems, and uh, he was doing an interview with Sam Donaldson. And as he was talking, I slowly unbuttoned my shirt and I pulled it open to reveal. I love pasties t-shirt. <laughs> and Paul Paul W stopped in the middle of his his interview and he said, "Sam, have you ever had a pasty?" <laughs> and and Sam Donaldson said, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> and uh, legend has it that that day Kate Gorman of the Detroit Free Press was in her car caught in traffic listening to WJR in Detroit, and she heard about our pasty operation because Paul W. asked me to sit down and talk to him then, and it did an interview. And uh, Kate uh, sent her photographer. He came and spent a couple of days with us there taking pictures of the residents making the pasties. She did an article that got into uh, syndication and went uh, to all the Associated Press uh, newspapers mm. across the country. And we have not looked back since then. I mean, there has been demand from that point in 1998. We also appeared in uh, Newsweek magazine back in like 2002. There's uh, Midwest Living magazine. There's been all of these media outlets that have picked up the on the on the story. And uh, so we just continued to uh, to grow from from the, that point. But it was Detroit that, that had a lot to do with and the Detroit Free Press in, in particular. What an what an amazing story. What a, I mean, it's quite <laughs> incredible, isn't it? How you started off and you went from the sort of radio side to working as the sort of managing this home and then sort of developing the sort of pasties plus all the internet side. It's wonderful. Do you I notice you have a comp do you have a competition of a uh, some sort of pasty competition, or have I not seen that correctly? Well, uh, no, there's there is competition. Uh, there's there's always uh, that one of the <clears throat> most recent has been uh, uh, USA Today. You know, the newspaper here, the national newspaper in the United States, uh, had this thing where they call the best ten, and they vote on the best ten of of uh, you know restaurants and and. Uh, particular brands or whatever. And they had happened to have Michigan pasties, the best Ooh. 10 Michigan pasties. 
Wow. And uh, Pasty Central was chosen number one. We we uh, it was a popular vote across the country, and of course, Pasty Central shipping everywhere kind of got the edge on uh, uh, these others. But there there are wonderful pasty bakers in in Michigan. Like I mentioned, Muldoon's they're they're just a great uh, a great pasty. Connie's pasties in uh, Calumet, Michigan, just. Uh, that that's one of my favorites. Uh, they, they don't ship. Neither one of those ship across mm-hmm. the country. And so when it came time to do the voting, they, uh, you, you know, fell short of what we were able to to garner support from people all over and all of these zip codes where we've delivered to over the years. But uh, yeah, so there is there is competition for the bragging rights. Who has the best pasty? Uh, those two that I mentioned, uh, Muldoon's and Connie's. There have been times I would have said to you, sitting there eating the pasty, this is the best pasty I've ever had. But Friendly many, rivalry. Yes. There are many times when, when I've eaten the pasties, I live in the South over the over the winter. We've been uh, traveling here and uh, we actually order our pasties. And I've sat there saying, this is the best pasty uh, of <laughs> I- anywhere. So, yes, there's there's competition. Now, let me just ask you as well. You said you didn't ship internationally, but I know because of the map that you're literally on the Canadian border, aren't you, really? You're very close yes. to the Canadian border. Right. I'm guessing for various in- trade regulations, you don't ship into Canada. Yes, it would be, uh, it would be difficult for us to, mm. to ship to Canada. I, I mean, it's not that it's that far it's just, uh, especially these days, you know, this is during the pandemic going on here and the mm-hmm. Canadian border is actually shut down. Uh, we have relatives in Canada that we, we visit that we can't and mm-hmm. uh, uh, vice versa, because if you cross the border, you'd have to be uh, quarantined, you know. Yeah. I, I, I think they have some exceptions to that now, but but for months uh it, the border has been shut down between the countries. Mm. Yeah, so it's literally within the states, and I guess you ship to Hawaii as well. Oh yes, and Alaska. Yeah. So, so yeah. we leapfrog Canada to ship to Alaska, but uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, may I ask that you mentioned some people uh, earlier on? Earlier on, are, are there any sort of famous people that uh, you know of that eat pasties uh, that you can mention? Boy, I'm trying to think. Uh, there probably are. I'm sure there must. Be. Yeah, yeah. Many, uh, you know, lots of feedback from people all over who, who, you know, I'm sure in their circles they're they're famous. Mm. But uh, uh, for us, it's just the the satisfaction of knowing that here's a product that is uh, that people want everywhere, and and they the, the you know the best the best recommendation that we get is people they say your pasties are as good as my grandmother used to make <laughs> you know it's just yeah. when we hear that uh, we say mission accomplished you know they must be good. they must be really good and do you do, do you do more than one type of pasty i mean you do cuz here you can get like uh, you get different ones so you get the you get a, a, the traditional pasty then you might get a cheese and onion pasty and you might get or do you just concentrate on just the one type well, we do have uh, uh, a veggie pasty that has no meat, mm. uh, and it's uh, like you, you mentioned cheese. Uh, we uh, we do have a breakfast pasty, which Ooh. is hash browns instead of the cubed potatoes the the way it is yeah. in the in the conventional pasty. It's it's hash browns along with uh, eggs and uh, and ham and oh, oh it's just a great. Uh, I get hungry just thinking about <laughs> about uh, our breakfast <laughs> pasty, and we have. Uh, a couple of sizes. We have the picnic pasty, which is uh, a handheld side uh, size. Mm. We we used to sell those every every summer at the state fair in Minneapolis. Uh, the uh, they we would ship thousands and thousands of uh, of pasties to the state fair for uh, uh, for that. And then the other variation that we have is the Cornish variation. Our regular pasty is a UP style, which mm. has carrots. But for those who are the pasty purists, we have the Cornish pasty, which has no carrots, guaranteed. <laughs> Fantastic. I love the distinction. It's brilliant. Uh, so, so good. Uh, it, this is such a fun and but it really interesting show to do, Charlie. It's fantastic. I also love the fact that it started off in a sort of residential home and it started off by sort of genuine people connected to pasties. You know? Yes. It's, it's Quite wonderful. You know, I, I should uh, mention. Uh, people may wonder what about the the home for the aged. It's uh, the home for the elderly is still there. It's it's morphed into a thing called Garden View Living Facility. The previous one that I was the administrator at was called Stillwaters, and in uh, 
the early 2000s, there, the state of Michigan changed its policies toward group homes. They're, they're also known as adult foster care homes. And so their support policies for the ones that exceeding 20 beds totally changed. And homes of this type went out of business all around the state of Michigan. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Stillwaters stayed open for another five years because what we did was we we when you know when we saw the impending uh, possibility of having to close the home we banded together as employees and said why don't we buy this operation from the home pay them a fair price for it which actually subsidized the operation of the home for the next 4 years mm-hmm. and uh uh and then eventually it had to close but we kept with it the uh, the idea that the the results of this the end result of this project of sending these pasties around the country is going to be support for care for the elderly and so over the years we've supported causes like uh, little brothers friends of the elderly there's a thing in uh, in Marquette called Beacon House that we uh, th- they have it's sort of like a Ronald McDonald House and we've we've uh, raised money for that uh, with the sale of the pasties. And uh, there's uh, Omega House in, in Houghton, which is a, uh, a hospice care home that uh, sometimes receives uh, the donations from, from the, uh, you know, the net proceeds mm. of, the, of the sales. So it's, uh, it's continued in, in its original intent was to be a project that benefits the elderly. And uh, we've done so even though it's... Uh, it's changed over the years as far as the uh, the ownership and uh, the uh, uh, the people involved. Uh, and many of those people, I was just thinking of this the other day, many of the folks who made the pasties when we first started, if they were still alive, they would be like 110, <laughs> uh, 120, uh, because this was back, you know, 22 years ago when yeah. the folks were, were in their 80s and 90s. So it's, it's been just a, a great ride and a, a wonderful thing. I, uh, I've been honored to be a part of it and uh, to go along for the ride with it. And what I think, Charlie, what's so special? So if people buy a pasty from you, they know that they get a top quality, delicious, fresh, quite sort of unique product delivered to them, say, like within two days when, when you're producing, Yes, uh, not in the summer. Uh, but they also know that they're also contributing to support of um, older people in, in your area and around the state, which is absolutely wonderful. I mean, that's so nice, yeah. actually. And so they're actually contributing to that. So I believe that your recipe is secret, isn't it? I'm sure on the website, so it, <laughs> you keep it secret. But are there well, any tips for any tips for budding pasty makers out there? Boy, you know, our, our recipe <clears throat> was uh, an interesting story behind this. When we went for USDA approval, we had to mm. submit our recipe for to, to be scrutinized. And mm. the ratios of uh, meat, because the pasty meat uses a combination of beef, you know, high quality uh, beef and pork. There's a little bit of pork in there for, uh, for moistness. And uh, it gives... That ratio was like a, a 25 uh, or 22%. We had it at 22. But pasty meat, according to the USDA, had to have a 25% ratio. We asked for a waiver of that. We said, can we, can we do it less? You know, can we do it 22 instead of 25? And uh, the, the person I was talking to at the time said, well, you could do that, but you'd have to put on the label imitation pasty. <laughs> because, <laughs> brilliant bureaucracy <laughs> yes <laughs> but so we we worked with it we continued to to mix and to test and everything and we came into compliance with what they had so we didn't have to call them imitation pasties uh, it, it didn't harm the sales i mean the, the, they kept selling uh, even though we changed those ratios just slightly to come into compliance. But uh, but yeah, we, we don't publish the recipe as such. The, the, the secret to a pasty, I, I think a really good pasty, is fresh ingredients and the crust. You've got to be able to make a crust that is uh, like better than any pie you've ever had. It's just uh, a good flaky crust that you know, there's there are some secrets to even preparing the crust mixture and everything, and the way that it stays overnight and all of that. Which one of these days maybe we'll publish those uh, those little secrets, but uh, they all go together to make just one of the best pasties uh, 
anywhere. <laughs> so like many things, it's an art. It really is an art in terms of all the different bits that come together to make what you make such a fantastic product and a tasty one too. If we, if someone came to the UP, first of all, where could they find your pasties and where would they go? And also where, where would you recommend that they visit? It sounds well, such a wonderful place. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little difficult right now during these times. Um, Pasty Central actually owned a large family restaurant, which is adjacent to our, our mm. uh, USDA approved kitchen which is known as the Hut Inn. And, uh, you know, we, we sold the restaurant just two years ago uh, after uh, having operated it since 2005. Mm. And we sold it to the, the manager who, who really did a great job with it. And he stepped up and, and said, I'd like to buy the restaurant. Well, uh, then along comes this uh, COVID thing. The yeah. restaurant has to shut down and it's only doing like carry out. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say, even as we speak, there may be Mm. changes in, uh, you know, can they stay open? There's, there's been this spike in coronavirus activity. Fortunately in Michigan, it's, uh, it's not been as, as much. I just heard that day before yesterday, there was zero deaths, you know, no deaths. And there was like 300 new cases in, in Michigan in one day, which, you know, everywhere in the South, they're having like like 3,000 to 10,000 cases a day of... Uh, yeah, it's, sho- it's shocking. I'm following it. On it, is, it, it is. It is. So, put, so yeah. if things were normal and, and when things get yeah. back to normal, as we believe they will someday, you've got to come to the Hut Inn restaurant. It's north of Calumet in the Keweenaw Peninsula. The Hut is, is one of the great restaurants in the UP. And uh, you can have pasty central pasties right there. Also, uh, the Hilltop Restaurant in Lance they they sell the pasties. Lance is a little town where where Henry Ford spent a lot of time back back in the day uh, of the early auto industry. They, they, their website, by the way, the the Hilltop is sweetroll.com. You know, when we got the uh, the name pasty.com, uh, yeah. the, the very next one that I that I registered was sweetroll.com. They sell those giant sweet rolls that are as big as your head, you know. And um, what is a sweet? I don't know what a sweet roll is. That may be a very, uh, is it American thing, a Michigan thing? You probably could do a show on sweet rolls because uh, <laughs> I've never heard of those. <laughs> they, uh, they actually, they gain popularity by sending them a, a package always to the Detroit Red Wings who uh, play, mm. you know, in uh, the Joe Arena in Detroit, and uh, always in the beginning, they would acknowledge, "Thanks for the sweet rolls from uh, from Hilltop Restaurant, SweetRoll.com." But it's a it's a huge uh, sweet roll. It's, it's got icing on it. It's got cinnamon. It's got oh, just a, a wonderful flavor. And uh, they ship them all over the country. These uh, these sweet oh. rolls. Just uh, so that was one of the businesses that started up around the time we started. Pasty Central as well. And and it was out of that that the internet service actually grew. You know, as we began to host websites who were doing things like this, we began to to garner the resources, the bandwidth that we needed to for the e-commerce because that was in the mid-90s, you know. That was before e-commerce was even known as e-commerce. So the sweet rolls started uh, at the same time there. And so they do sell the pasties uh, there in Lons. And then there's some grocery stores uh, around Econo Foods and Houghton. The the Jam Pot in Jacobs Falls, that's a that's a place up uh, north of Calumet that they've sold our pasties over the years. So in normal times, if you came up to that, your area, you'd be able to get uh, lots of pasties. But if you headed over to where Muldoon's is, for instance, you might be getting Muldoon's pasties. Yes, yes. We every, It seems like every time we go through Munising, we stop for lunch at Muldoon's. It's, uh, it's great. <laughs> So let me, I, I just had another question. I'm just, do you have any idea, over the, you probably do, over the years, how many do you, pasties do you think you've actually made in the company? I, I don't know because... It must uh, be millions. Uh, well, it's with all those that we ship to the uh, to the state fair and everything, we just, we've never kept the count of that. Uh, the, our counter on the website that, that turned over a million uh, uh, couple of years ago here that uh, is just the, those that have been ordered and and shipped by FedEx so I, I really don't don't know at this point but lots of pasties <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots so so Charlie where can 
if people want to search you up, particularly in the States, and, and people think, oh, yeah, well, when you start shipping again, I think I'd like to order some. Where, where should they exactly go? Well, we should have the shipping calendar, if all goes well, uh, on mm. in August. Uh, and it, it should be uh, the, the latter half of August. Uh, and uh, that's at pasty.com, P-A-S-T-Y.com. And uh, also pasty.net, we have links there on the homepage to it always shows a little pasty on a plate and and you click that plate and it takes you to a calendar that you choose the day you want them shipped and then you choose uh what you want shipped with it ah so you can get all the extras and things so yes charlie i have to say this has been a a fantastic interview and a real privilege for me and i'm really really grateful that you've set aside the time and that uh, your daughter becky was uh, so kind to send pictures and uh, links through it's really Wonderful. I don't know if there's anything you want to ask me before we finish. <laughs> well, I've I've listened a little bit to your uh, your previous uh, podcasts here, and you've got a you've got a a unique uh, uh, thread going here with uh, compelling human interest stories. There's there's a lot of good things going on there, and uh, so you'll you'll have a, you'll have a listener <laughs> at, at least one more listener uh, because of uh, uh, you know to your regular podcast series. It's uh, it's been, I guess, you know, I have a lot of questions in mind about uh, do. about I- doing podcasts. We do a, a thing we started years ago. It's called Day in History, and it's mm. a history minute. And I know the work that it takes to produce a minute every day uh, that, that we've done that. Uh, and you can go to either our Facebook page or yeah. com, and you can click mm. on Day in History. And it's things about specifically about the history of Upper Michigan. So there's a lot of work that goes into that, but that's only a minute. You've got this this whole hour that you produce, and uh, so it must be a lot of work. Uh, I know oh. technically behind the scenes, there's there's a lot that goes on. It's, so it's have- like a full time job because <laughs> there's all the website stuff, and there's the writing. So I'll write up some notes for us, and then there's the editing. Yeah, it's like a full time job. I've been surprised because I think I guess anyone could probably from when listening to people who make podcasts on a more professional basis. It seems like anyone can knock out a podcast, but to try and knock out a podcast that's sort of okay and uh, captures people's attention and is you know, good quality is, is hard work, like anything. You know, if you spent a long time with your, you know, perfecting how you make the passages, how you ship them, all those sorts of things. So, Charlie, thank you very much. It's I really appreciate it. I do. It's, uh, you, it's you've just been so generous with your time. And in fact, the the, the spring every season is just uh, lovely, beautiful in Upper Michigan. And uh, I would just encourage anyone who's never been there to uh, put it on your bucket list. You know, of uh, something you need to do before you kick the bucket <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, make it to uh, Upper Michigan. I'm good. I'm definitely, if you, if there's any, uh, by the way, if there's any specific links to this presumably tourism and travel things, if, if you are, or ask Becky to send them to me, I'll, I'll stick sure. those onto the website because I think that's uh, the least I can do to, to say thank you to well, appreciate you it. and the folks up there. Yeah. So look, take care, Charlie. Have a great day. Thanks. And uh, I'll let you know when I'm going to publish this. It'll probably be in the next few weeks because I'm already nearly halfway through the series. So, uh, got a few other things so uh, it'll be yeah probably in about five weeks i would imagine sounds good brilliant cheers charlie take care thank Thank you you so much and have a really good day won't you you too thanks take care bye Bye bye-bye hi i hope you enjoyed today's show i have to say great thanks to charlie for the today's interview but also for the generous observations he made at the end about how much time doing one of these shows takes it takes forever it's amazing it really is like a full-time job but i have to say really enjoyable so that's great and i love the feedback and thank you to to charlie for his feedback and, and the fact that i've got one new listener right up in the wilds of michigan up on the canadian border which is uh, which is really nice and also to dara who was my first interviewee who gives, always gives me such lovely feedback and i really do appreciate it for both of you it's really nice and from the other lovely comments from people online and uh, directly and sometimes face to face if they're 
people I know. So um, also excitedly, um, I'm now planning series two. Can you believe it? Also an American themed podcast. I'm not going to give away the exact theme about that, but that's in its early planning stages at the moment. There's not even any website set up for that or anything like that. But also I've made some really nice connections and uh, in, in Detroit and in particular there's one. So uh, I just thank you for uh, listening today. I hope you can tune in for next week. Not actually sure what it is yet. I always uh, usually choose it around Tuesday or Wednesday from the uh, library I've got of interviews I've already done. Uh, but have a really, really lovely week and uh, many blessings to you, your loved ones and your families. Take care. Bye-bye.